Friends, would you please stand as we read the Lord's word this morning, taken from Colossians chapter 3. Again, listen to the Lord's word. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. Amen. This is the Lord's word. Please be seated, friends. Our Father in heaven, again, we thank you for this day and thank you for your word and pray now that your blessing will be upon it, that you will bless your servant and that you will bless your people. Would you pray that you would cause the kingdom of Satan great injury today and pray that you would bless the going forward of the gospel, of the truth, and we pray, Father, that your people would be set free more and more and that your church be strengthened and built up in these means of grace. I humbly ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Here the apostle, uh, as we've read this passage of scripture, he's been instructing the saints to be in practice, and this is a theme throughout this, this portion of the scripture, to be in practice what Christ has already made them to be in principle. He has redeemed them. By God's grace, the righteousness of Christ has been credited to their account, that is, imputation that the the merits of Christ have been credited to you. That's imputation. That's why we are declared to be righteous or justified. They are righteous before a holy God because of what Christ has done. They are holy. They are considered or called saints. This is quite a different message than that of the false teachers uh, of that day and also of our day those who would place their confidence in their flesh, those uh, who would put their confidence in what they do and who they are or what they don't do. Salvation, and we must remember this, salvation is all of grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, not according to the traditions of men or the church. Not according to the traditions of the church. It's all of Christ period, all of Christ. And all of these are for the glory of God alone. You do not make yourself righteous before the Lord. You cannot make yourself righteous before the Lord. The world would say, well then, why bother? And here's the answer. Because Christ has died in your stead. And that's why he calls us to repentance. 
We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. However, the faith that saves is not a faith that is alone. With a new heart, and understand this, with a new heart wrought by the Spirit of God also comes new behaviors, new attitudes and desires, and new outlooks. How can you get people to sing? How do you get people to fast? Jesus, it's interesting to me, Jesus said that a day would come when his disciples would fast. And tonight we're going to be in the the passage in Acts. This idea of fasting in prayer. Well, you should just all fast. That's not the way fasting works. Where does fasting come from? It comes from a heart that says, God, I need you. And I'm I'm not doing this so that you hear me, but I feel the intensity to, to pray and to be heard. So I'm giving up my food. I'm giving up this food for a time. It's kind of like love. How do you tell someone, love someone? Either it's there or it's not. But you can't make it happen. You can't conjure it up. Righteousness and holiness are things that come out of changed hearts. They come out of changed hearts. So, while the apostle is warning them of these false teachers, these demonic doctrines, the apostle himself is actually quite concerned about holiness on the part of the Lord's people. We ought to be concerned about holiness. We ought to be concerned about righteousness. It's kind of like that funny thing that pumps in your neck called a pulse. If it's not beating, if you don't feel it, something's not right internally, right? There's something not right. The Apostle is concerned about holiness. He's concerned that they be in practice what they were in principle. After reminding them whose they are and what they are in him, he has commanded them to consider the members of their earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Again, he started with the outward manifestation of this sin, immorality, and he worked his way inward to the heart, remembering that the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Do you want to see what's in your heart? Listen to your word, measure your actions, and you will see what's in your heart. These things that Paul has warned these people of uh, affect the individual. He says in, elsewhere in the scriptures, flee immorality, every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. So he's given them that command to put these things to death. He also then commands them to, to put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from their mouths. The second list of vices he has listed in verse 8, these are vices that hurt others. Anger, beginning now with the heart of man, undealt with anger, is given full expression, uh, if given full expression, will result in quick tempers, efforts to hurt, words that hurt, and abusive speech. As we continue here in this passage of scripture, The apostle now exhorts us not to lie to one another as this too is out of line with what we are in Christ and it damages and hurts the body of Christ. It hurts the body of Christ. So he's given three commands here. Put to death, put aside, and do not lie. 
Again, all commands given to the people of God because of who they are now in Jesus Christ, because of who they are. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. What is lying? This is something we, we perhaps take for granted. It's, if, if Humanly speaking, what we do is we, we put the, the sins in a spectrum and we, we, we say lying, well, that's, that's not adultery, that's not murder, that's, that's down on the list. That's certainly not one of the offensive sins. Those are more the accepted sins that we have. What is lying? It means to show oneself deceitful, to play false, to speak deliberate falsehoods, or to deceive In other words, it's to create or promote a false narrative, impression regarding someone or something. It's something that's other than reality. You hear it as fake news. It's creating another reality. Lying does not promote reality. Paul said, as he wrote to Titus, concerning the Cretans, he said, one of themselves, a prophet of their own, said... Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony, says Paul, is true. He says it's true. He could have just as well said it about the Americans, that we are liars. Why would I bring this up? Why would I camp on this? Because Americans are liars. We are. And you're Americans, and you're coming out of the culture called the United States culture, and where it's acceptable in our culture to lie. In fact, it's expected that everyone's going to lie. You, my friends, are called to something different than lying. We are a culture of liars. We tell people what they want to hear to their faces. We tell them, tell different stories behind their backs. We lie through the media giving partial truths, skewed accounts, bald-faced lies, putting pictures from other places and events to support a narrative that isn't occurring. We convince people of things that in truth are not real. We have politicians and salesmen and agencies and councils and school boards, administrations, husbands, wives, children, on and on and on. We just say what works to our advantage whether or not it's true. Lying's a problem. Lying is a problem in our culture. Hypocrisy, right? Telling people what they want to hear rather than telling them the truth. Withholding truth from people that they should hear. If you think long and hard enough about it, you will have no problem admitting or seeing, rather, that lying is a part of life in our culture. Now you may say, why then is it such a problem? If everyone's doing it, why not just continue to do it? And I'll tell you why, friends. Because lying goes against who God is and it goes against what he's commanded for his people. It goes against who God is. Who is God? Both Paul and the writer of Hebrews, who I would argue is also Paul, he says very plainly in two different places, it is impossible for God to lie. 
Everything God has said is true. All his promises he has kept and will keep. Jesus said in John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God is true. We can have the utmost confidence and should have the utmost confidence in what he states in his word. If the word is truthfully and rightly divided, it will never mislead us. Do you believe that? That the word of God will never mislead us. It'll never steer us wrong. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Right? Don't we learn this as children? Don't lean on your own understanding. Lean, stand upon the word of God. Believe the word of God. Why? Why do we say this? Because it is impossible, impossible for God to lie. We're told of the Lord Jesus himself, the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus himself said, all the words that I speak are truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And the Spirit himself, in John 15, 26, the Spirit is the Spirit of what? Truth. He is the spirit of truth. God himself, friends, is truth. Everything he says is truth. Is it any wonder then that those who are his should be truth tellers and not liars? The writer of Psalms, Psalm 15, describing a citizen of, the, uh, of Zion, says this, O Lord, who may abide in your tent, who may dwell on your holy hill, he who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. The citizen of the kingdom of heaven is one who walks with integrity. He speaks truth in his own heart. When he makes a promise, he keeps it even even to his own harm. That's a truth teller. That's what the citizen of the kingdom of heaven, of Zion, is. Is it any wonder then that the Lord in the ninth commandment says this, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Listen to how our catechism, the larger catechism says, what are the sins forbidden in the ninth commandment? Straighten up, take a deep breath and listen. The sins forbidden in the ninth commandment are all prejudicing the truth and the good name of our neighbors as well as our own, especially in public judicature giving false evidence, suborning false witnesses, wittingly appearing and pleading for an evil cause, outfacing and overbearing the truth, passing unjust sentence, calling evil good and good evil, rewarding the wicked according to the work of the righteous and the righteous according to the work of the wicked, forgery, concealing the truth, undue silence in a just cause, and holding your peace when iniquity calls for either a reproof from ourselves or complaint to others, speaking the truth unseasonably or maliciously to a wrong end or perverting it to a wrong meaning or in doubtful and equivocal expressions to the prejudice of the truth or justice, speaking untruth, lying, slandering, backbiting, detracting, tail-bearing, whispering, scoffing, reviling, rash, harsh, and partial censuring, misconstructing intentions, words, and actions, 
flattering, vainglorious boasting, thinking or speaking too highly or too meanly, that is too lowly of ourselves or others, denying the gifts and graces of God, aggravating smaller faults, hiding, excusing, or extenuating of sins when called to a free confession, unnecessary discovery of infirmities, raising false rumors, receiving and countenancing evil reports, and stopping our ears against just defense, evil suspicion, envying or grieving at the deserved credit of any, endeavoring or desiring to impair it, rejoicing in their disgrace and infamy, scornful contempt, fond admiration, breach of lawful promises, neglecting such things as are of good report, and practicing or not avoiding ourselves or not hindering what we can in others, such things as procure an ill name. Is it any wonder that no one can stand when you read a list like that? And that was just what the command forbids. You should see what the, what the uh, command tells us our duties are to be. Lying is a way, uh, the American way, Again, to many, perhaps, this doesn't seem so terrible a sin. We are calloused. There is no real problem. I'm a good person who lies. Good people don't lie. Good people don't lie. If you are a liar, you are not a good person. And in truth, you are not in a good place spiritually. In fact, you ought to be really frightened if you are a liar. John wrote in Revelation 21, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You really ought to stop lying. Stop lying. Lying is out of keeping with who God is. Lying does not promote reality, but it promotes deceit. Lying makes a person worthy of hell. Lying is in step, not with God, but with the enemy of God and his people. Jesus said this concerning the devil in John eight forty four. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Again, Satan is a liar. From the beginning, he has been creating false narratives, calling us to question what God has said and has been deceiving the nations ever since the beginning in the garden. He says... Remember, indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? He just put a little bit of a spin on it, twisted it just a little to get them to question the truth of the Lord. He used, or rather misused, scripture with the Lord Jesus himself, putting a sanctimonious spin on diabolical evil while the Lord was in the wilderness, making godless and faith, faithless acts appear as though they would be justifiable. What's wrong with just eating a little bread? You're hungry. Show yourself to be the son of God. Turn that stone into bread. Question, why would the Lord Jesus have to show Satan that he's the son of God? 
Jesus knew he was the son of God. Satan knew he was the son of God. I am to live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Do you see how Satan works? And he's doing this still, friends. What did Paul say in Ephesians 6, 11? He says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes, which means cunning arts or deceit, craft or trickery. That is the schemes of the devil. Again, his deceit. Satan has foisted a false narrative and a fake reality on this world. And Christians and many circles have and are buying into such things. Such as things like we have evolved and there is no creator. How many Christians have you heard say, well, we just evolved? Unbelievable. How can they say this? Children. Again, we hear these things. Children are a bad thing. We are in danger of overpopulating the planet when God has said, be fruitful and multiply. And that children are a gift. The Lord has spoken. Satan would have us think otherwise. Or that killing children is actually women's health. And we're believing things like this, that this, this, is, this is what our, our government promotes, this kind of garbage, this nonsense, this demonic doctrines. And we sit by and think that this is fine. What's wrong with you? I'll tell you the problem is the church doesn't know the scriptures. We don't know our Bibles. And that's why when the government says something in this sanctimonious sense, we all buy into this crap. And I said it, it's crap, it's garbage. And I would say it worse because it's destroying our nation and it's destroying the church. And we're buying into this nonsense as though it's sanctimonious when the scriptures are very plain in what they say. Shame on you. I'm fed up with Christians talking this nonsense. It's wrong. We hear them say that sex, that one's sex at birth is actually debatable. When God has said you were fearfully and wonderfully made in the womb, settled, determined, man or woman. Not a mistake. But we have people saying, well, these children who can't even color inside the lines are able to determine what sex they really are. Shame on us. Or that sex outside of the confines of marriage, one man to one woman, that sex outside of marriage is safe and good. And yet the Lord says, keep the marriage bed undefiled for fornicators and adulterers, he will judge. Or how about this lie that Satan has foisted upon us? Trust your heart, follow your dreams, pursue your heart. This is good. The Proverbs says, he who trusts his own heart is a fool. How about this one, that you are the most important person in the world, the whole self-esteem movement. Sorry, friends, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying into the self-esteem garbage. You shouldn't either. Look, 
The best defense against self-esteem, the self-esteem movement, is just be realistic about who you are. That's what the Lord would say in Romans 12, verse 3. Be realistic. Don't think too meanly. Don't think too highly. You have gifts. You have talents. You also are a knucklehead, and you sin all the time. And you can't stand alone. We need the body of Christ. We need the scriptures of God. Telling people to get high on themselves, Kathy Lee... uh, Crosby, remember that show? Oh, never mind. When I'm going back to the 70s. That's incredible. Get high on yourself week. My mother said, boys, don't listen to that. Get high on yourself. John writes in his first epistle, little children, guard yourselves from idols. You are an idol factory. You will make an idol out of yourself. That's what self-centeredness is. It's when everyone should bow the knee to you and you bow the knee to no one. How about this lie? Money and fame and stuff are where happiness is found. And Jesus says, do not store up your treasures on earth. How about this lie? Love is love. Doesn't matter as long as they're consenting adults. Is it really? Love is love? I wonder if those banners were were still smoking in Sodom and Gomorrah. You get my point, Romans 1? It's judgment. God gave them over because they refused to worship the creator rather than the creature. They worship the world rather than worshiping God. God gave them over. It's a judgment. And what do we do with the judgment of God? We embrace it and we put flags up and we we post virtue signaling banners saying, all are welcomed here. That's not true. But that's what we do. We're embracing all that's evil. Shall I go on? These all, all these lies, all these schemes fly in the face of the word of God, who we've just read, cannot lie. His word is not mistaken. If there's any mistake to be found, it's either that we don't know the scriptures or we don't know how to divide the word of God accurately. But God is infallible in what he has said. He is sovereign in that he preserves a word that we can read, we can understand, and we can know, and we can discern what's right, what's wrong, what's true, what's false. This is his word. And he, Satan, has created a false narrative. He is a murderer, and his lies result in destruction and death always, 100% of the time. 100% of the time. This is why lying, or rather, this is what lying does, friends. It distorts, it destroys, it erodes trust, it leaves no foundation upon which to build. If a husband or wife lies to one another, how, how can you believe one another? What kind of marriage will you have? If children, if you lie to your parents, how are they ever supposed to believe you? You heard the story about the boy who cried wolf. How will they ever believe you? If we lie to one another in the body of Christ, what kind of family will we have? What kind of church will we have? If we are not truthful before the world, and listen, by truthful, I mean truthful. I'm a sinner. You don't need to walk around pretending like you're not a sinner before the world. You recognize 
You recognize what you are. You see your sin. You also don't hold back from the rest of the world. If my neighbor comes to me and says, I noticed you were kind of ticked off with your family the other day in your yard, what do I say to them? Yeah, I was. I don't cover it up saying, oh, no, no, we were all just playing. <laughs> you don't do that. You see, Christians do that. We put on this phony air like we've, like we've arrived. I'm the victorious Christian. No, you're not. You're a mess just like the rest of us who needs the grace of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what you do. What does it tell the world when we are less than honest in front of the world? And I'm not saying go and throw up on everyone and, 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 and revel in your sin and pretend like it's okay. You should not be reveling in sin. But when you do sin, what do you do with the world? You ask forgiveness. You say, I'm a sinner. I still need the grace of Jesus Christ. Just like you, friend. But otherwise, they label us a bunch of hypocrites. I'm just being truthful. I have not arrived. I still struggle. And praise God, he loves sinners. Can I tell you about him? I'm sure he has enough love for you too. You see, being truthful. Stop lying to one another. Lying and falsehoods are terrible things. Paul would say to the Christians, as he wrote to them in Ephesians 4, Therefore, laying aside falsehoods, speak truth each one with his neighbor, for we are our for we are members of one another. So stop lying to one another. And friends, here's the good news. You who are in Christ, you are no longer shackled with your sin and its guilt. You are a new creature. And Paul gives this command that you would start to be what you are. Lying is what we used to do before we were Christians. Easily, unashamedly, we lied. We would laugh at the fact that we could lie and get away with it and think it was the funniest thing that we could pull the, the, the wool over a person's eyes. I, I, I dealt with this in high school. When I was teaching at the Christian high school, you would think you wouldn't have a problem with cheating in a Christian high school, we had problems with cheating. And I knew that they were cheating, and they had their smartphones, and they had everything. And I knew that they were doing it. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to police them. I'm going to put it right back on them. And I would say to them, you can cheat, and you can fool me. I said, big deal. I said, but you will never escape the eye of God, and you will not get away with your cheating before him. Cheating's a terrible thing, and yet in Christ, while that characterized us at one point, it should no longer characterize us because we've been set free from that sin. We've been set free from it, and now Paul would say, put it to death, stop lying, lay it aside. Since you laid aside the old self, again, here he gives now the reason they are no longer to lie to one another. Again, listen to what he says in 9b through 10. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. 
My friends, lying is no longer in keeping with who you are in Jesus Christ. They are no longer what they once were. You have laid aside the old self. When they heard the gospel truth concerning Christ and believed it, their old self was laid aside. This verb in in verse 9 is different than the one he just spoken about in verse 8 in that it's a much forceful term that he says. He says in Romans 6.6, Paul says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that he would no longer, that we would no longer be slaves of sin. Their body of sin was laid aside with its evil practices. And in him, Paul says earlier in Colossians 2, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You've laid these things aside, you've laid aside the old self and have put on the new self. In principle, they are now new creatures in Christ. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ? Yes, no. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have been set free from sin. Pastor, I can't help it. Yes, you can. Are you a Christian? It may be hard. It may be difficult. It may be a new habit to learn. But you are no longer stuck to have to do these things in Christ. If you say, well, I can't help it and I'm not going to stop, then I say, then don't call yourself a Christian. Please stop calling yourself a Christian. Our God is a God of truth. Our Savior is a Savior of truth. The spirit that indwells us is a spirit of truth. What fellowship have light and darkness? You can't have it both ways. You cannot be a a Christian witch. You cannot be a Christian liar. You are either in Christ or you're a liar. Because the one who inhabits you has brought new things to you. If new things aren't there, then there is no new life. They have been washed. Once they were in Adam, now by faith they are in Christ, united to him again by faith. When they came to Christ, they in effect put off, laid aside the old self, the old man, the old Adam, and they put on the new man. They put on Christ and were clothed in his righteousness, the righteousness that he provides Of this new self, we are told that it is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. The principle of the new self, the new man is present in the believer, but he has not yet arrived at perfection or Christian maturity. And this is where every one of us resides today. If we're in Christ, we are in Christ, we are new creatures, the true light is shining, the darkness is passing, wrote John The Christian is in the process of being renewed, or another word which I think we might um, understand even better, renovated. We all like to watch HGTV, this old house, or some show showing an old house being made over so that it's beautiful. It is to be renovated, to cause to grow up new, to make new. The Lord has begun a new work in the Christian. He takes this poor, sinful person. He takes pity upon them, calls them to himself lovingly and undeservingly, saves us. And then he begins the slow and faithful, methodical work of taking them and what they were in Adam. And he renovates them into the image of Jesus Christ. 
That's good news. He takes what we once were and he renovates us and makes us something new to a true, not a false, not a lying, not a fake knowledge like the, the, the false teachers promoted, but a knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Again, my friends, as we know the Lord in truth, again, what did Jesus pray in John 17? Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. As we come to know the Lord in truth through his word, the more we put off the old man. That's how this works. We talk and speak of the means of grace, the avenues by which the Lord holds himself up in front of us. No doubt you will go home saying, ooh, I'm not supposed to be lying. I've, I've been lying. I've been coloring the truth. I've been shading things. I've been speaking ill. I've been slandering. I've been abusing. I've been doing these things. I've been putting on a front. How often have we heard of, of the upstanding man in the church who goes home and beats his wife and children? What hypocrisy. What terrible hypocrisy. And yet these kinds of things go on. What you're supposed to do is you hear a sermon like this and you, you examine yourself and go, Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Forgive me for my sin of lying, for misrepresenting the truth, creating false realities. Forgive me for believing lies and set me free more and more. And if you're in the lie, if you're living in lies, you go and you ask forgiveness from the Lord and from the ones you've lied to. And it's done. And we don't go back. And when you do go back, you ask forgiveness and you repent and you do it again as long as you need because the Lord instructed us 70 times 7 we do this kind of thing. This is not who we are now in the Lord. We are not liars anymore. Jesus set us free and he's making us now into his image. He's making us into the image of our God and beyond not beyond. He's making us into the image of himself, the Lord Jesus is, the image of Christ our Savior. We're going to stop here. We're going to pick up next week. But this truth, and truth is freeing, it heals, and it builds. It builds. Notice that as we get into verse 11, he talks about all these distinctions. No longer, in truth, we don't hold to these distinctions anymore in Christ. You see, truth builds the body of Christ where lying destroys the body of Christ. And what does Satan introduce into the church? Lies. And what destroys the church? Lies. And what restores the church? Truth. And who is our God? He's a God of truth. And what is the Christian supposed to no longer do? Lie. Would you bow with me and let's pray. We thank you, Father, again for your word and pray that, Father, you would forgive us for not believing your word. Forgive us, Father, for believing the lies of the devil. Forgive us, Lord, when we have held to things that are just godless and we have done godless things. We know better than this. For Christ did not come to save us so that we would continue in our sin, but that we might be set free from it. I ask, Father, that you would help us to rejoice 
in you, the God of our salvation, that we would not merely say, I'm just going to do better and try harder with willpower, but that we would fall on our knees and on our face before you, O Lord, and worship you. What a great Savior you are. Help us, we pray, and protect your people across this land. And help us, Lord, not to be like Cretans. And help us, Lord, not to be like Americans. But may we be truth, and may our truth, the, tr the truth, always be spoken in love. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen.